Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. And God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, his church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. If you're not already out caring for the community, knowing your neighbors, engaged with people, caring for the homeless, if those things aren't happening, the kind of hospitality we're talking about today, our church runs a restaurant where if you're working poor, if you're homeless, you can come eat an amazing meal every day for a dollar. And we just have this huge network of people that are already serving and giving. So it was just natural that in the days after the storm, we'd have thousands of people just instantly respond. So I would say uh, you'll be the church that you are. It's just going to be under a microscope when the storm comes. Powerful words from Pastor Chris C. of Ecclesia Church of Houston, helping to start this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Hi, I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio with Gabe, and if you're a regular listener to the show, or maybe one of the virtual attendees this week at the Q 2020 virtual conference that happened on Wednesday and Thursday, you know that Q is about helping churches and organizations to think well and advance good. Gabe, that's what we've done in the past. Today's going to be no different. We're going to be talking about our cities, our communities. What does it look like to be a healing force in our cities, especially when tragedy strikes? And that it has. For example, on Easter weekend, many communities in the southern U.S. were hit hard by storms causing much devastation. And all this is happening as much of the country continues to hunker down thanks to COVID-19. Now, as easy as it is to feel overwhelmed, it's really during moments like these that churches individually and the church corporately is probably the best organization to help lead the charge in bringing healing and restoration. We're finding in so many of our cities today, there are these moments that seem to kind of outsize what's happened in a city before. It could be natural disasters, as we'll talk about today. It could also be a crisis. It could be a school shooting. It could be any number of things that are happening that requires communities to bond together quickly. And we want to talk about the ingredients of that. Like, how do you really bond a community together quickly? What do you have to be doing before the event happens in order to ensure you can add value in the moment of crisis? But before we get into that, I also want to let you know, as our community, as those who listen to this faithfully, that there's an incredible opportunity that only comes around once a year for you to help communicate to the best and the brightest in your family. Maybe they're a student that's a part of your church or your community, somebody you've worked with or mentored over time, and that is for them to be one of our few Q fellows that come and move here to Franklin, Tennessee, and they spend a year with us in this environment. They get a job. They're working with us. They're on the team. They have very specific responsibilities, but probably more important than that is they're in an environment where we're trying to cultivate and encourage their hearts their minds, their ability to have a, a new perspective on what their role might be as they engage culture. And after one year, they get sent back out. And so we have a lot of people who come here the first year after they've graduated from college. And this becomes a great year for them to really invest in something that's a part of something much bigger than maybe they've been a part of before, but also learning very specific skill sets 
in the area where they already have talents. And so if you want to learn more about that program, you can go to qideas.org slash fellows. And when you go there, you can get all the information about how the program works as well as the specific jobs that we have over the next year that we're looking for talented individuals to be a part of. Now, as we continue on today, I want to introduce this topic of healing cities by letting you know about the two different people that we're going to talk to today in this short nine-minute conversation that I had with them. It's Rob Peabody and Chris C. And what you need to know about both of these gentlemen is they're coming at healing cities from two very different perspectives. One is somebody who is on the ground in Houston, Texas. And as you know, Houston, Texas suffered one of the greatest hurricanes with Hurricane Harvey that devastated the city. We all saw the images. We saw the pictures. We saw the helicopters coming in for rescues. I think over 13,000 people rescued from helicopter rescues. I mean, just an amazing statistic. But what you don't understand is what it would have been like to be a pastor in the heart of that city, seeing this coming, and then knowing that your church needs to be a part of the response, but maybe not quite knowing how that's going to work out. We're going to get to hear from Chris C. He's the pastor at Ecclesia, right in the heart of Houston, an amazing church and an amazing community. Chris comes from generations of pastors, and he's been the type of leader who's been a part of Q from the very beginning, who's really jumped into imagining what would the church look like in a city? What would a church look like in a neighborhood? Not just as a place where people might come for a Sunday morning service, but more importantly, every other day of the week. And so they've imagined this space. And if you could just go visit their space on Taft Street in Houston, if you're ever through Houston, you got to go because it's open every day. And part of what the church is trying to do is be a source of light and love and encouragement to the community. Not only do they have a coffee shop that, that is rated when the top three in Houston, but they also have an organic farmer's market that you can participate in on the weekends. They've got an art gallery and studio. They basically created space where people can come and peruse books and have conversations. It's just a really unique contribution to their neighborhood and to their community. But in addition to that, Chris has always had a heart and a vision for being a renewing force in the city. What we believe the gospel does when the church shows up, not just for services or for equipping on a Sunday, but what does it look like when they show up during the week? And so his church was called upon to show up probably bigger than they've ever been called upon to show up. And it's amazing when you hear what they were able to do and how they were able to respond. But secondly, you're going to hear from Rob Peabody. And Rob's somebody I really want you to know because Rob is somebody who has been a church planter in the past, but decided church planting wasn't the only way he could affect being the church. And God gave him a vision for something you're going to hear more about called VOMO, V-O-M-O. And in that vision, it was a way for churches and organizations to start to get the volunteers and the people in their midst that have a heart to be mobilized. It was a tool through an app on the phone to help them become mobilized. Very simple idea. It's one of the ideas, as you know, that the simpler they are, the better they work. And VOMO has become one of those simple ideas that quickly over the last year has started to gain traction in multiple cities. Many organizations are using them. The federal government's starting to use this. Uh, and here it was, a church planter who had this idea, partnered with some other investors and said, let's go create something that would allow the church and allow people in general to be mobilized to show up for any need that's happening in their community. Now, you know, for us at Q, this is important. Part of the mission is to advance good. Lots of times in our heart, we want to advance good. We just don't always know where to show up. Who needs help? How could we show up? And so the heart's in the right place, but practically and functionally, 
we don't know how to do it. And that's what I love about what Rob's doing. And so let's listen into this conversation, hear more about what happened as one church responds to Hurricane Harvey, but also hear from Rob what they're experiencing by using technology to advance good in our cities. Let's listen in now. So Chris, sixth generation pastor in Houston, you guys got just smothered with rain in late August and absolutely the entire city basically goes underwater. Your church has been faithfully serving in the area, but tell us what that was like the moment you kind of realized this isn't just another like hurricane warning, this is serious. If you live on the Gulf Coast, you've seen some of this stuff before, but this storm was different. And if you know much about the storm, or some of you, I just got to say to start, all the good news I get to share with you, a lot of it happens because of partners and pastors and churches in this room. So I'm just so proud to be a part of the church. Uh, When things go down, you find out who your friends are, and your friends move towards you in crisis, not away from you. And when you're a part of the church, you got a lot of friends. And so that was the real gift. We'd never seen a storm quite like this hit a city. Houston's the fourth largest city in the United States. And so when so much of your city's underwater, the sheer volume of people, it's still overwhelming for people. I'll run into people here, and they'll be like, there's still work to do? And you're like, you just have no clue. You just have no, like, I I don't even know how to express it. I'm an Enneagram 8, so I just, in these moments, I just feel like I know in my body what to do. And so we just got after it. We told churches across the country, we need your help. We need the things we can't get. So you sent us dehumidifiers and, and uh, fans and all the things we needed to help people clean up. And we said, we need you to come. And people started coming. So we converted one of our campuses into what I call Hotel Jesus. We sleep 60 people there every night. Uh, we had about 50 there last night, but they got construction skills. If you can't uh, hang sheetrock, we don't want you. But if you can, we would love to see you. And uh, if you have any of those skills, we had another campus that uh, is a big warehouse. We were ready to build out, and we had some things happen with it. And so World Vision took it over, and uh, we've been able to renovate it so that World Vision could, they've been the best partner. I'm just telling you the best partner. And they brought in the supplies that we need to rebuild homes for people that don't have the money to rebuild on their own. So uh, sheetrock, refrigerators, air conditioners, you name it. We turned it around in about two and a half weeks. We opened it with a big ribbon cutting right in the days that my Astros won the World Series. And, uh, <laughs> and they brought in $4 million worth of supplies for us in the week since the storm awesome. to That's be able awesome. to help people that desperately need well, it. Well, I love hearing how the church responds in these moments. You were doing an incredible job communicating through the middle of that and leading so well, and it speaks to, I think, so many of the relationships you've invested in for so many years personally. Rob, you uh, have a pretty incredible story, but for the sake of time, you you currently have founded something that I have found fascinating in our conversations about cities. We, We know that cities and our neighborhoods and our ability to love our neighbors well becomes one of the great ways to show hospitality, one of the great ways God's mission happens on this earth. And he gave you this idea about how to use technology for good. You, you had an idea of how, how phones could actually be a part of how we respond to crises like this, how we mobilize quickly. Describe for us VOMO and what you created. Yeah, so originally VOMO wasn't for disaster relief. It was to mobilize the church to go be the church outside the walls, right? Yep. And connect all these people who want to do good but have an ignorance barrier and don't know how do I actually go do this. But uh, we had just built it, and we're watching CNN. Anderson Cooper's on there. They interview the guy who's in charge of all the cleanup efforts, the recovery, and he says, what we need on national TV, what we need is a disruptive 
technology solution, and he goes, something like Google would make that connects all these needs with real humans to meet them. And I was like, holy cow. So I like grab the phone, we film it, and we start tweeting it out, and it's like God had given us this technology for such a time as this. So within three days, we had 55,000 projects up on Vomo and had churches. So for those who yeah. haven't heard of Vomo, it's an app. Oh, yeah. Let me... And essentially, <laughs> it's an app that allows organizations or people to put up projects and to connect volunteers to those projects, almost like Instagram feed. Yeah, so it's a free app and web platform and just connects all those uh, tangible, real, physical needs uh, to people to go meet them. Yeah. And so uh, we work now with universities and businesses and churches. And so when that happened with Harvey, we actually saw 1,200 Texas A&M students just signing up on Vomo and going down there every week to be a part of the recovery process, and they're still yeah. doing it today. So. It's such a, such a great idea. I want to talk a little bit more of it in a second. But, Chris, for a lot of the leaders in this room, they've hosted Q Commons over the last three years. They're starting to develop all kinds of great networks and relationships in their cities around this idea of advancing good, advancing good news, as David said. Talk about the importance of building those kinds of relationships before the crisis happens. Yeah, well, the reality is a disaster is coming to your city at some point. And I think one of the important things I would emphasize is that when you're a church leader, when you're a Christian leader, uh, one of the things going for is you have to have a love for your city. Like, I'm made for Houston. It's a long story, but I ended up starting a church in my hometown in Houston because I got invited to Atlanta uh, to consult, and they offered me a job to pastor in Atlanta. And instantly I said, I hate the Braves. I can't pastor a church in Atlanta, right? And I said, but I love the Astros. And I knew, like, it's time to go home. And, uh, and when you have a disaster, it's a little bit like when your kid gets sick and vomits on you. Like, you'll take it from your kid, but you won't take it from somebody else. Like, if Gabe throws up on me, I'm not in with it, right? But with my kid, I can clean him up. I can do whatever I need to do. And when you love your city, you just do whatever you have to do for your city. And you'll take the hard things. And what we've learned in Houston, if your church wasn't missional before the storm, if people weren't engaged, those churches, they didn't know what to do during the storm. So if you're not already out caring for the community, knowing your neighbors, engaged with people, caring for the homeless, if those things aren't having the kind of hospitality we're talking about today, our church runs a restaurant where if you're working poor, if you're homeless, you can come eat an amazing meal every day for a dollar. And we just have this huge network of people that are already serving and giving. So it's just natural that in the days after the storm, we'd have thousands of people just instantly respond to the need. So I would say uh, you'll be the church that you are. It's just going to be under a microscope when the storm comes. And the reality is wherever you live, the storm will come. So I'd say yeah. love the city, lean in, build those relationships, and then know I'm going to be ready one day. Uh, when something goes wrong, we're going to be that kind of church. We're going to step what forward. What has the response been to the church in Houston since the storm and, and after serving in that way? You know, it's, it's amazing. I would not wish this storm, obviously, upon our city or any other city. But when you get to love, the way that Dave described earlier, you get to love people to radical kind of hospitality. One of the neighborhoods I would go into, your church has sent us like 800 dehumidifiers in the three weeks after the storm. And we, they came to us and they went out to people, things you couldn't get. You needed those things bad to dry your houses out. So there's one neighborhood I just kept driving them to, right? And I'd go set it up in people's houses and we'd muck their house out. One of them had, had painted a sign out front of their neighborhood. They said, Ecclesia, the name of the church I pastor, is our FEMA. And these people in this community, we bring it in grocery cards. Our wow. church got to do about $250,000 worth of grocery cards. Because when you clean out somebody's house, you know how much food they had. Zero. And uh, when you get to do that, so this Easter, we, I bet we had five, six, seven, eight hundred people show up. 
there were people that came back and said, you mucked out our house. I was at a restaurant last week, and the lady said, I have to buy your lunch. You mucked out my parents' house. Your church came and took care mm. of us. And so everywhere I go, there's this sense of goodwill that the church yeah. is who it's supposed to be. So beautiful. Rob, on what you created with Vomo, explain a little bit about how many people are starting to use that. Because so many church leaders and organizations, even colleges, I mean, this is, a, this is not just a Christian app, right? Because Christian can't be a good adjective. It's an app, and it's designed to help people serve and get connected. We know a lot of younger generation folks are wanting to serve, get their hands dirty, right. but they don't always know how to find the opportunities. That's what I found so fascinating about what you've created. Yeah, they want to do good but don't know where to start. And 85% of Americans own a smartphone. We look at it 2,600 times a day. So how do we leverage this cultural moment where your congregation, your friends, they're staring at the screen all day long and and use that for redemptive purposes to advance the kingdom? And so, uh, so yeah, we've got 70,000 projects on Vomo in all the major cities across the U.S., but we also have the ability for you to add your own projects. So a lot of small groups are adding stuff on there because they know the needs better than we do as pastoral staff. Yeah. And so uh, empowering the laity and the church leadership uh, to build this economy of, of meeting needs. And if you and your family have time Saturday morning at 10 a.m. to volunteer and you're like, I want to do that, our family needs to volunteer, you can look through in your city and see where you could volunteer and just sign up. I mean, yeah, that's, exactly. You so just simple. work through the filters. If you want to check that out, I'd encourage you to do it through the App Store. You can also go to Vomo. Yeah, Vomo.org. Yeah, well, thank you, Rob, for going with the idea that God put in your heart to do. It's amazing how it came along right when there was this need, and now it's going really big all over the world. So thank you for that. Let's thank Chris. Let's thank Rob for just leading well in our cities. Thank you, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing these two men describe these stories and describe how God's called each of them, maybe in different ways, to be a part of what God's heart is, which is to restore things back to their original design and for us to participate in it. And so if you're listening, I think as you heard Rob talk about, VOMO is an idea every single one of us can get involved in, and it's simple and it's free. You simply go to an app store on Android, iPhone, wherever you get your apps, and download VOMO, V-O-M-O. Movement for Good is their tagline, and I want every listener to think about doing that. It costs you nothing except one minute, put in that password, download your app. Once you have that and you select your city, you're then able to see any opportunities around you. And for some of you who have children like I do, it can be really easy on VOMO to look and say, hey, this Saturday afternoon, I want my family to go do something where we're serving in the community. And through the app, you can actually go look and see what are the three hours of a window that you have in your town, in your community, where maybe you could serve. But the second use of that, that's very practical, I think, for many of you listening. If you're an administrator at a school, if you're running a business or an organization, if you're a pastor in a church or responsible for volunteerism in any way, I think considering putting your opportunities for volunteerism on this app is a really great way for you to communicate with your people and for these opportunities to become more accessible for them. And Gabe, usually for organizations using VOMO to promote their volunteer opportunities, they do charge a small, reasonable fee. But with the COVID-19 pandemic, VOMO has started a new campaign called Be a Neighbor. 
As communities are dealing with the virus, nonprofits are on the front lines of the response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and they need help. And so, during this crisis, the VOMO volunteer platform is free to these organizations. VOMO wants to help these organizations mobilize every possible neighbor who can be a volunteer in the coming days and weeks. And we need to think long-term because I heard Ed Stetzer say that the crisis is not just going to be when the peak of the COVID curve hits, but the weeks and months after as people are rebuilding their lives. So again, if you want to learn more about the Be a Neighbor campaign, visit VOMO.org. So check that out and consider whether that's a platform you could use to better disseminate information. You know, we feel like today, I think, in our world that there's so much access to information and, and overflow, and we're overwhelmed by it that people must know of the opportunities. But I think all of that has created so much distraction. We don't always know anymore easily how to participate in things that maybe in our heart we'd like to participate in. I think VOMO kind of cuts through that and, and can help with that. So again, check out VOMO and their Be a Neighbor campaign at VOMO.org. Now, Gabe, we have a few more minutes left to the show, and I'm sure many heard Chris and Rob and are excited about opportunities to help advance the common good in their communities. But others might be thinking, well, yeah, that might work in places like Houston down there in the Bible Belt, but that won't work in my community. I live in a place where the church is not respected. Now, if that's your thought, I want to point you to another talk that's available on the Q Media platform at qideas.org called The Church and the City. It was presented at a Q Commons event some years ago in Portland. Kevin Palau led the discussion between church leaders in that city and some of the city leaders, including Portland Mayor Sam Adams, about how evangelical churches reached out to the city and offered to help in tangible ways to meet its needs. Here's a quick excerpt. The conversation we're going to have is really about this partnership. What does it look like? Why did it happen? What are the positives? What are the fears and dangers of a robust partnership between evangelical churches, not wanting to give up what we stand for and who we are, and city leaders that have broader constituencies? I'll start with you, Sam, but, but again, any of us uh, can, can talk about this. Portland's a proudly progressive city. I think you would all agree with that. Right. And um, what was your initial reaction? We're sitting now several years into a relationship, but if you can think back when you first heard about this idea of evangelical churches and an evangelist, right. uh, nonetheless, coming and saying, we want to come and serve, what kind of reactions did that elicit? Anxiety. <laughs> uh, hope. Um, I mean, these particular uh, communities of faith have a very good reputation for integrity, so that was not an issue. It was really about whether or not a, and you're very, it's a progressive city, it's a very liberal city, um, whether or not a liberal city, a city as liberal as Portland, could actually pull this off in a way that both partner stakeholder groups felt good about. And it had never been done before. The anxiety was around the potential for 
is despite the best of intentions, will there be an effort at, you know, missionary work as opposed to community work? You were very, very clear from the very beginning that this was about, you know, the good works of community, community building, and we're desperate. I mean, like a lot of cities, we are suffering through the recession. We don't have enough resources to provide the services that we need. And I guess the other thing I would say is I, I honestly was, you clearly earnest, again, good reputation, uh, but I really didn't know if you could deliver. I will tell you that this is the largest, most successful, not just one time, but now sustained effort at a volunteer effort uh, the city of Portland and the Portland region has ever seen. It has gone incredibly well. Um, we don't agree on all the issues, but what this reinforced to me, I don't, I don't know about others, but it reinforced to me just how much we do agree on. Okay, yes, we have disagreements, but there's a common good and common ground that is agreed upon and can be worked on together. Now, that was just a small part of the talk called The Church and the City. If you're a Q Media subscriber, the full talk is available to you. If not, you should become a member at QIdeas.org. There's lots of great talks, podcasts, and other great curated content. Gabe, what are some of your closing thoughts for this week? I think the bottom line for us at Q is when our cities are in a struggle, when there's a need, we ought to be some of the most creative people in addressing those. We, we need to have the best solutions. But another thing that we can do proactively is we can be building the community of Christians in our city who actually care about the common good, who realize this is a Christian responsibility. And when this moment comes, if we haven't built some of those relationships, then we're often not able to show up with the strength in the way that we ought to show up. And the truth is, when we do show up and be agents of creativity and loving restoration, we can be a beautiful visual witness of the gospel that can draw people in. Well, I hope you have a great week. We look forward to continuing these conversations on a weekly basis, continue to learn together and get exposed to the amazing ways God's using people, ordinary people, to do these extraordinary things because of their availability, their desire to respond, and their desire to just be faithful right where God's called them. So I hope you have that kind of week, and we'll look forward to talking again in the days ahead. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.